0: Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. All right, welcome to episode 26 of the future belongs to creators. Today, we're talking about how to create a strong relationship with your audience from day one using email automation. So it's a topic we uh, hopefully know a lot about in theory. If not, we'll make it up on the fly. Uh, but uh, before we do that, before we make up great content for 30 minutes, Barrett, how you doing today?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm doing much better than yesterday. I would I would call yeah. myself green today. I, uh, I hit the eject button about two 30 yesterday afternoon, (laughs) thought I was going to come back to work. And I just said, you know what? I can't, I, today isn't working for me. So I went to sleep early last night. I got up early this morning, spent some time with my son and I've had a very productive first few hours of the day. So I'm just like cranking. Um, nice, It's pretty exciting. I was telling you, there's this book my buddy Chad Cannon gave me called the power of wind. That's about basically different circadian rhythms that our bodies get into. And, um, When I first read it, I learned kind of my natural rhythm that reflected my experience in life and I put it into action and it really worked. And then I reread it the other night after I gave it to my, uh, my father-in-law and I've re-implemented some of the things I learned initially. And today was a huge win because of that. So I'm quite excited. I'm green. How are you doing?
0: Nice. I'm green as well. Uh, I had some really great meetings this morning, just outlining new projects, um, that you know, maybe in another month or three, I'll be able to talk about publicly and that'll be really exciting. And yeah, just worked on a lot of good stuff. Lots of Tuesdays are a focused work day and they're magic. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like all of my meetings. People are going to think that I don't like my meetings based on how I talk about them. I really do. Sometimes it's just too many, but Tuesdays, there's not. So that's good. Well, uh, let's dive into our topic for the day. Um, so on this topic of basically automating a relationship with your audience, what we're doing, well, I guess the first thing where I, I should start is creating content is a lot of work. Like really a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Even when you build the habits, you get you get in the flow of writing every day, which by the way, if you check my public feed, I've been writing every day. Uh NathanBerry.com slash daily journal. Uh but even when you get in that habit, do you like the little plug there? That was that great. It? That was great. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Even when you get in the habit of writing every day, you know, creating content consistently, it's still a lot of work. And something that makes it really discouraging, especially when you're creating with a sm- for a small audience, is realizing like, okay, I'm going to send this out once. And that's it. Like hit send on the broadcast. The 37 people on my email list got it. Eight of them really enjoyed it. And that's mm-hmm. it. And so that's where we get into the topic of automation. Of saying, okay, I can actually build something for the long term and build a system that works for me. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about today, and it it really just makes content creation much more enjoyable, and it means you can put in more time because your content's going to work for you for a long time to come.
1: Yep, yeah, and that's kind of exactly where we want to start. Is um, you get a subscriber on your email list, uh, and really, I think you can think about this as platform agnostic, whether you're like using SMS or Facebook messenger or email. We think email is one of the best channels, but this would same approach would work regardless of the channel. You get their interest via a subscription and you say, okay, now what do I do? And what it can feel like as a content creator is now I have to stay on the content hamster wheel. I must keep going with my publishing schedule. But here's one of the biggest things I want you to take away from today. Uh, Well, two things. One is, Building a strong, authentic relationship should be the only goal with each subscriber. You want to have a strong, authentic relationship. That's the only goal of emails because a strong relationship is the foundation for everything else you want to happen in your business. If someone feels like they have a connection to you as a creator, then they're going to be more likely to buy your stuff, more likely to read your work, listen to your work, watch your work, whatever it is that you do. The second thing is that your best content has nothing to do with the day it was published. Unless you're a news site or something like that. And so if you remember just two things from today's episode, it's a strong relationship, authentic relationship is the basis of everything else you want to happen in your business. And two, uh, your best content has nothing to do with the day it was published. Those are the only two things I want you to take away from today.
0: Yeah, I love that. So as we get into, well, first let's explain even what we're talking about with, you know, automated content. Mm -hmm. So basically what this is, is if I sign up for an email list today, and a broadcast goes out, I'm going to get that broadcast because I'm now on the list. But if you sign up tomorrow, you will not get that broadcast because it went out, it was a moment in time. It went out, what day is it today? April 20, 21st? Yep. It went out April 21st. And that, that happened. You signed up April 22nd. You get nothing. But the newsletter goes out the following week, say on Tuesday again. So we'll both get that one because now we're on the list and going from there. But if that content was really good, then as the creator, they might want both of us, no matter when we sign up to get that. And so with an email sequence or any kind of this automation, what it means is that we get content timed to when we subscribe. So if I subscribe today, I get that first email today, you subscribe tomorrow, you get that first email tomorrow, and so on, and we're forever on our own schedule. So it's time to, you know, wherever we're at. The nice thing about that is that you can put your content in, Sequence, And so if there is something that, okay, everybody who follows me should know this thing, should know my philosophy, maybe should know my core values of create every day, work in public, default to generosity, right? If I'm referencing those in some post, someone's going to be like, create every day, what's that about? But if I have all of that taught in early lessons in my sequence, then they know what that's about and they can dive in. They can get those foundational things up front and then know what everyone's talking about.
1: Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, the first thing always that you want to automate is you want to give the people what you promised them. If they signed up for an ebook, they signed up for an email course, they signed up for a free single from your last album, whatever, give that to them first. ConvertKit makes that really easy. I think we showed you that how to upload an opt-in incentive in one of our our previous episodes. So, just remember that. We're not going to get into that today, but you should always give them what you promised as the very first thing you send or else they'll be very confused by why they're getting all this other stuff. But right after you do that, I think one of the first things you want to do is build a personal connection. And you might say like, but we're automating this. How can it be personal? And there's two ways. One is, being vulnerable yourself and sharing something about you. And so like Nathan said, maybe that's sharing uh, your values. Maybe that's sharing why you care about this work that you do, or maybe it's sharing kind of a story about the way that your work has impacted someone else and why it matters so much to you. One of the things that happened years ago now when I was running my business was there was kind of this trend of people publishing like 23 things I probably shouldn't tell you about me or whatever. And while that might be kind of corny in today's context, I do think there was something really powerful about it because it was a way to almost share like your biography in a relatable and Mm -hmm. slightly with like a clickable headline, you know? Right. Um, And so something like that could be really good as well, right up front, kind of in that first email. And what you're trying to do is bridge the gap between the thing you promised them and why they should care about you specifically as the person helping them. So initially when someone signs up for your list, they want the thing that you promised, which is uh, purportedly gonna solve a problem for them of some kind or help them reach a goal. So if you're giving away, I think I shared a leather company as a creator of the day recently, your guide to making a leather apron from scratch or something like that. Okay. That's very functional. That's solving a problem for a person. It's very specific immediately after that. Now I want to convince you that this isn't just any old leather working site. This is a special leather working site. That's going to resonate deeply with you over time. And so I want to build that connection with one of those first emails early on.
0: Yep. That's good. I I love that concept of bridging the gap because usually educational content or resources or something like that are the best way to hook a subscriber in, right? You're solving a problem, get that in quickly. And so it's like, great. Yes, I need to figure out how to do this. Uh, I keep coming up with examples of things, problems I'm working on right now that I'm totally not ready to share. And so I'm like, ah, nope, not saying that. Um I'm just going to fill this whole episode with teasers yeah, exactly. for something that I'm not going to tell you about <laughs> for three months. Oh boy. Uh, but, right, you're hooking people in with one thing and then you're delivering on that. And they're like, "Oh, that's pretty good." And then it kind of has this question of like, "Okay, well, I got that content. I could get it from a bunch of different places. So why should I continue to follow Nathan Barry or Barrett Brooks or whoever?" And so when you're bridging that gap, it's like, "Okay, if you tell your story," uh, my friend Tim Grawl talks about telling stories of the most, like, the most painful, awkward, difficult time that you learned the lesson that you're about to teach. Because right? if it's like, here's three ways to do X, well, how did you come to those yeah. three being <laughs> like core values? What, you know, and diving in and really sharing that from a personal side. And then I'm saying, okay, not only did it build more credibility because I like, okay, I know how you learned your stuff. You didn't copy and paste it from three different articles. You actually, it's a lived experience. And then from the other side, it's like, and I kind of like you and I'm kind of invested in your story and your journey. And so that those I'd say that first email after you deliver the resources is really about make it personal and bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next
1: concept I wanna kind of teach, and I've referred to this before as pillar content. So the reason it's called pillar content, or it's just a way, it's a mechanism for helping you understand it in your head. Think of it like the pillars that support a house or a structure. Every structure needs supporting pillars that everything else is built off of, right? Well, if you think about your creative project, you need some form of pillar content or pillar original work. And no matter what kind of creator you are, that's still true. It's kind of like the work that everyone uh, should know you for. So one thing that I should say is we're kind of assuming that you've already got content that's shareable right now. You can certainly do the opt-in incentive delivery and then the make it personal part regardless. You can automate that stuff no matter what. But next comes your pillar content. I think of a pillar content post as something that's in-depth. It's really impactful. It's at the intersection of something that was popular with your audience and that serves the purpose of the site that you have for it. And the reason I say it like that is sometimes you'll write content that's really popular, but doesn't have a lot to do with your site, actually. Mm -hmm. Like at Fizzle, for example, we had this post about how to get motivated when you don't feel like doing anything or something like that. And it was one of the top search results for the word motivation. Well, it was very low intent traffic, like, yes, a lot of people read it, but it wasn't the audience that we were looking for. And it didn't really overlap all that much with, it was just kind of like a throwaway post on one of those days when we needed to publish. So you really want to think about the content that overlaps with the purpose of your project, your creative project, and what is popular with your audience. That's how I think of, of pillar content. It's typically in-depth, really useful, really valuable stuff that you've published before.
0: Yeah. And Another way to think about it is if you put out this really good post and then over the next two years of creating content and putting things out there, that people aren't going to go back and find right. that. It's, it's fairly rare. I can probably think of maybe like five creators that have gone back and read their entire site and everything that they put out. And, you know, normally you come across stuff, you pick up where you left off and maybe throughout time they backlink to other things and you're like, oh, I read that and that's cool. I had no idea you published that three years ago. But what the sequence lets you do is keep refining it over time. So you're able to say, I wrote this thing that I'm really proud of. Let me actually put that in as email for in the sequence so that now everyone who comes along from now on, even years in the future, is reading that piece of pillar content. And so you think about it not as like, I made this sequence and I moved on, uh, but instead something that you tweak and iterate on. It might even be worth throwing a recurring calendar invite you know, with yourself every maybe every three months, I'd say, hey, review that sequence content. You know, as you go through, and what does my welcome sequence look like? Is it reflecting my latest work? You know, I'm sure right now, if I went and looked back at mine of what's sending out right now, I'd be like, that's useful content, but that's not at all what I'm working on today. You know, it's very different things. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some posts talking about ConvertKit's revenue that's going out of like at 20 grand a month, <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> and so... As you go out, you can just have this, this system that you're working on and then uh, like an automated check-in with yourself to say, hey, go and refine that system. See what you can improve.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, for anyone that, watches or is listening and wonders why I laughed at $20,000 a month in revenue. It's not because it's a small number. That's a a really big number. And it's something that we're very proud to have done. And today the company makes close to $1.8 million a month in revenue. And so it would be funny for that to still be going out as like a current event kind of thing or something that's related. Well, I think that just
0: goes to show because I'm actually pretty sure that it is still going. <laughs> um, this was not. A, this so, was not
1: asking for a friend.
0: This was a. Yeah, uh, but it just goes to show how much. Uh, I guess two things: how much your arc changes over time as a creator, and how much uh, of a difference even like three or four years could make. And then also how that experience, that first subscriber let's say I write a post now or I share something on Twitter and somebody goes, this is good. And they sign up for my newsletter. They're like, oh wow. Okay. Nathan works on a, a software company. Looks like it's getting some initial traction. And like their mindset is going to be whatever I just told them in that sequence. And they're going to be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Convert, it it's up and coming. It's growing. And, and we are compared to our potential, but it's like, I'm I'm misleading them because I didn't go back right. and update that and share the most the latest thing. So even you know a, an update at the top saying, "Hey, there's a lot you can learn from this," and also if you want to see where ConvertKit's at now, or where I'm at with my art or my music, or whatever else, I can add a note to the top of right.
1: of that post that's updated and relevant. Okay, so tactically, here's what I would do if I'm you. If you are a photographer, a musician, uh, essayist. Um, uh, YouTuber, any of these things, I would go back through my whole library of original work that I've put out. And I would think of myself as a museum curator. If you have a really good friend who like adores you and would be willing to do it for you, it might even be better from their perspective because sometimes someone else's eye is better for your work actually than yours is because we've all got our, our pet projects and our little things that right. we're like, Oh, I loved that one. And to be fair uh, if it's important to you you can expose it to more people by adding it to the sequence but i would look at your past catalog of work as or your body of work i've got a great article on body of work actually i should i should this should go <laughs> in my sequence i'll share i'll <laughs> share great. my body of work article anyways look back at your body of work and act like a museum curator and pull out the ones that you think are best put them in one doc with like hyperlinks to them and maybe something that would be really interesting to do is just write like a one or two sentence summary of why you chose it or what mm-hmm. it's about or something like that. And so you end up with a, a Google Doc or an Apple Note or whatever that's got your X number of best pieces of original work all right there. And this becomes kind of like your working canvas for what's going to go into the sequence. So you've selected for your best stuff at this point. Now your job is to, to weave them together, to sequence them in an order that you can tell a story based on. And so you want to think about the arc of either story or learning that you want to take someone on. So like Nathan, I could imagine, um, if someone's there to learn from you as a founder, like they're another startup founder and that's why they're reading your work. It actually could be really interesting to take them on the long arc of convert kids journey and what you've published along the way. And that could be the story that you use to tie it all together. Or as a photographer, maybe a way to organize your work would be also sequential based on time where you go back to the early days and you say, well, this was my first photograph I took as a National Geographic photographer, and here's the story behind it. And then you do that 10 more times showing how your art changed. And so the email content becomes the story linking all of them together over X number of emails. And so you have the selection for as a museum curator of your best content, and then you have the sequencing of them in a way that tells an overarching story to the subscriber.
0: I love it. Um, Two things that enables one is if you ever do decide that you want to take a break, then so many of your, your uh, readers are going to get new content that week, right? You could be on vacation in San Diego. I don't know. San Diego is where I feel like going right now. So you could be on vacation in San Diego and, uh, That content is still going out. So you get off of the content hamster wheel and that can be really fantastic. You're not doing that work. You're not having to constantly work on these things. Instead, you can like take a break, work on some more pillar content or or these next big projects. And the second thing is you get all these replies. Let's talk about replies for a second because replies to broadcast emails are great. And it is fun to have all these replies coming back in at once. And I love that, but... One thing that you can do with sequences or automated emails is you can ask specific questions. So one thing our friend Brendan Dunn has suggested people do, and we've passed this on a lot, is to ask, hey, what's your biggest frustration with learning X? And to put that on like email two or email three of, a, of an automated sequence. And what that does is you get these replies of people coming back and saying, actually, I'm really struggling with whatever it is how to take great photos I'm, i i don't understand these camera settings i don't you know any of these other things and then you say oh i can i can answer that and maybe you write a version and send it off just to them and that's like the first pass of the blog post and then you the, you know you turn into a full post with more examples and and everything and then you share that with your your community by adding it to the end of your newsletter and uh, and going from there so you can really use replies not only to build an engagement with your audience um, but also to solicit ideas for new content and what to write.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I really wanted to touch on here is really as a creator, treating those replies from your audience as sacred. You know, at the end of the day, if we go back all the way to, to right where we started the conversation, if our goal is relationship, because relationship is what drives every other outcome that we want, at least in the kind of business we want to encourage people to create, those replies are the relationship you know, yes, you're automating what goes out to people so that every new audience member has a consistent experience with you and your brand and they get all of your best stuff. But the, the conversation is never automated. Uh, and so when I think about my email inbox, um, I was sharing this with you this week, actually, Nathan, you know, I get so much crap. I have three different email addresses and one of them's personal and I've had it since college. One of them's work. Uh, And then one of them, which I'm not going to share because I really love it, is just for sending emails to my email list. Mm -hmm. And so when I get personal emails, it's like everything from all of history. You know, Anyone who's ever had my email address can send me something there. When I get work emails, it's basically all sales emails or someone pitching me something that they want our money for. And I hate it, but the one inbox I love is that email address I use to send emails to my audience because when something comes in there, It's typically someone either responding to a question I've asked or sharing a story that they have or telling me what they enjoyed about my last article. Occasionally it's hate mail. It doesn't happen very often, but that's going to happen too. And those I'm excited to get because those are the people, you know, I think it's it's in our minds or in my mind anyways, I always think of like some other person I've never heard of before is going to buy my stuff when I make it. But in reality it's the people who follow you on Twitter and interact with you on Instagram and reply to your emails those are the people. It might seem weird that you would actually know the people who are going to pay you money, but that is the best relationship because now we're both authentically connected. You have a reason not to let them down when you make stuff and they have a reason to engage with you and that they want to be root for you to succeed because they enjoy your work. So Anyways, I'll go back to the core point, which is that when you get those replies, man, they are gold and just treat them like they deserve the most time that you give to email of anything.
0: I love that tip about separating out a separate email address for interacting with your audience. That's really good. That made me think of another topic uh, that comes up as email deliverability, right? Because some people are probably listening saying, you know, but I, I just follow maybe a bullet point email right? Like uh, Tim Ferriss does Five Bullet Friday. Uh, James Clear has something similar. A bunch of people have like this. They've got a set format they're following it for this audit or not automated, right? This real-time email that's going out where everyone gets the same thing. And that's fantastic. I would just encourage you to add another day of the week where you have this automated email. And one of the reasons for it is you get a lot of deliverability benefits. First replies to your emails, Gmail, Yahoo, everybody sees that and they go, oh, Not only did they open this email, but they replied to it. Interesting. And that's a little vote that your email belongs in the inbox. It belongs in the primary tab. It doesn't belong in spam. So soliciting replies is great for deliverability. And then the other thing is sending content consistently is good for deliverability. So let's say the family's tuning in who has a big email list, let's say over 50,000 subscribers, and you're only sending broadcasts. The way Gmail and others look at it is like, no idea who this person is. Nobody's interacting with their emails because there aren't any. And then boom, 50,000 emails show up and Gmail's like, uh, is this good? I don't know. Okay. People are engaging with it. It must be fine. And then it goes completely dark. And then a week or a month later, like 50,000 more emails, or in some people's cases with big lists, like really big lists, you know, it's 200,000, 500,000 emails. And it's really not a good practice because they're going this huge spike, which is risky. And then they're going completely dark. And so what, automated and sequence emails do is they bridge that gap and they fill in that space so that every email uh, provider is seeing consistent interaction and saying, okay, great, right? My customers that I'm responsible for are engaging with this content consistently. And when that big spike comes through, we're good. I've seen it. It's familiar because really like those spam filters and everything, they're working on behalf of the person who owns that inbox and they're trying to protect them from all the stuff that's out there on the internet. And so if you show up consistently with the sequences, then they're going to trust you more.
1: Yep. Yep. And deliverability is definitely a topic for a future episode, just so that we don't assume that, you know, we have the expert's curse of being in the industry. And so just to quickly define deliverability, you can think of it as there are like 12 steps that happen between when you hit send inside of a tool like ConvertKit and when it lands in a subscriber's inbox. And at nearly every step, that email could get stopped for some reason Mm -hmm. and not end up in the person's inbox. And so all deliverability is, are all of the factors that play into whether your email ends up in a person's inbox. And we'll do some detailed episodes um, coming up. Uh, I think, I think the team has shared that they're going to be starting a deliverability podcast, actually really specific to making sure that your emails get delivered, which should be really valuable. And maybe we'll have a little crossover episode to talk more about that. But it's time to transition to do, 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 do creator of the day.
0: <laughs> oh man. All right. My creator of the day is our good friend, Tim Grawl. Uh, he's been on the stage at Craft & Commerce. We've been friends for a very long time. Um, he actually tells a story on stage at Craft & Commerce that I did not give him permission to tell. So you can go check that out on YouTube. Um, It's not a bad story. He just leads with that. And it got everyone super engaged. Uh, But my creator and resource of the day are going to be, uh, go hand in hand. uh, Because my resource of the day is Tim's book, Running Down a Dream. Uh, He says, you know, the subtitle is a roadmap to winning creative battles. But I also really like this title that he has of a deeply personal field guide to defeating your own worst enemy. And he shares all of his stories and some are flattering. Most are not. And it just makes you uh, love him more, want to root for him and really take his advice seriously. So if you're thinking about incorporating your own story into your art, what you create, what you write, then I'd highly recommend this book. Uh, It's not that long. You can read it in a couple of hours Um, and it's written by a fantastic human. Love it. Uh,
1: I was just trying to grab the link to that, but you can post it yourself. My creator of the day is Asad Chowdhury. Asad is a magician. He teaches you how to do your own card and other magic tricks, uh, especially on YouTube. He's got a really nice set of luxury playing cards that he made and launched on Kickstarter, a great YouTube channel with over 1 million subscribers. And even if you don't want to learn magic. It is just fascinating to watch him do his tricks. We actually did a documentary with Assad as well. And, you know, Assad says his name Assad, because that's the Americanized version, but I think it's actually more like Assad and he just lets people pass on that, but I don't want to pass on that. So I want to say it correctly. Um, anyways, I'll post the link to Assad's, uh, documentary with us. It's so good. And it's got so many great visuals of him doing tricks with the cards in between him telling his story, uh, which is really powerful. And the hook that I'll give you is that his parents still to this day ask him, so when are you going to go back to being a professional? (laughs) And he says, Oh, I don't think you get this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a common theme through a few of the documentary series that we've produced. I will
1: jump straight into my resource of the day and then kick it back to you, Nathan, for either a resource or thought of the day. Um, I have mentored this startup called Trestle for uh, over a year now, less so recently, but especially when they were getting going early on. And they have built this uh, Chrome plugin, well, just browser plugin in general, that allows you to uh, evaluate whether the place you're shopping online shares your values, the degree to which it shares your values. And so they have this little quiz that they put you through to understand how much you care about the environment, good labor practices, materials, and other things like that. And then, uh, they go out and they evaluate brands and products against those different values that they allow you to select for, and then tell you, does this brand match your values? And if it doesn't, here's another brand that's actually closer that sells a similar product. So I'm a big fan of what they're doing. They're still in the early days. So, um, be a little patient with them, but, uh, so far so good in terms of using, uh, the extension and they love feedback right now. So, um, good time to be using it.
0: That's great. Well, as we wrap up, I think our thought of the day is just focus on building relationships, whatever it is that you're writing, whatever you're putting out using automation. I know automation sounds like the most impersonal word ever, especially when you're talking about relationships, you're like, wait, how does that even work? But I hope we've showed you, shown you a little bit of how you can actually use automation to build much deeper relationships so that then when you get those replies and you have those conversations, people know your story, can connect with you, and then can really share like, oh, this part of your story resonated with me because I went through this. And you can start that relationship you know, on step three or step four rather than starting from scratch. So start automating things in your business. Start automating that uh, email newsletter to get going. And that's all we have for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today.